0: Ezekiel 16, if we take in the context it is written, like many of the prophets, it teaches us history and it teaches us factual history. As this, if we read this chapter as long as it is, we see that the Lord is talking to His people He is explaining to them why they're in bondage. I said last week Ezekiel came into the city well after the time that Daniel was blessed of God to interpret dreams and through that his children were blessed. So we see the time that Ezekiel is theirs during the bondage of Jerusalem and the 70 years of desolation, which came about because of the sins of the children of God. If we take this chapter in context, we're going to see that God is telling His people, explaining to His people through the prophet, why they're in bondage, why they're in suffering. And we're going to see, and we're not going through the whole chapter, I hope to take two texts out of here, and they both go together. But if we were to read the entirety of the chapter, we would see that speaking to God's people, the reason why they were in sin, they would suffer judgment of God. And only a very small remnant by God's grace would return in repentance. Does that not sound like the book of Revelation, does that not sound like today? Does that not sound like the truth in Scripture, those that are held together by the providence and the grace of God to bear witness unto His name while they live here in this world? Chapter 16 begins, and I want to show you this. I'm going to try to stay with factual history, the way theologians, theologians, there's a proper way, record this. But I also want you as the Old Testament and the law and the prophets are types and shadows of the coming of Christ. We began this little bit of types and shadows we're doing a month ago with the mention that the law and the prophets were in the prophets. Or until John, they all prophesied of the coming of the Son of God, of John who would prepare the way before him. That was John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah. We find in chapter 16 and verse 1 again, because God is coming to this prophet yet again. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of Man. Now Christ became... I hate that term. Christ was made flesh. Christ was made... That's a biblical word. Made the Son of Man. This prophecy, the Spirit of prophecy, the Holy Spirit... Is speaking to a man and God is identifying him as a son of man. You remember the eighth psalm, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? We are flesh, we are blood, we are created from the dust of the ground, we are fallen in nature. We are nothing, yea, less than nothing. The nations are a drop in the bucket. We are not just men, but the Son of Man. The seed of sinners, born in sin and iniquity. Flesh, we are but flesh. Son of man, you sinner that I have called, that I have sent to teach my people, this was the nation of Jerusalem that was in bondage. And by the way, which was the only tribe of Israel which was left. The tribes of Israel had gone to the north to Samaria, If you will read the text throughout the chapter, you will see that Samaria is called the older sister of Judah because the Israelites went to Samaria. And much like God's people have done today, they intermingled with the heathen. They left the service of God. They caused their children to pass to the fire and the devil's then worse than all, they were taken in idolatry. They turned from God. That's why they're in bondage. You'll also see Sodom is her younger sister. Thus, say, thus saith the Lord God, He said, Son of Man calls Jerusalem His people. Israel was no more. Jerusalem, the metropolitan of the religious world, the religious center of the world, caused Jerusalem to know her abominations. Abomination before God. Sin that was worthy of being stripped naked and punished by the punishment of death. And He's talking to Jerusalem. He's talking to His people. He's talking to His church. They had been preserved of God. God sent an angel who slew 120,000 Assyrians or the Assyrians would have already taken Jerusalem and destroyed it. Learn from this. God... Sustains us today. They were sustained of God. It God is saying the prophet cause my people, cause Jerusalem, cause the church to know her abominations. This is the first text of two. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, the Lord God, the holy creator of heaven and earth without sin, without beginning, without end. All power in heaven and earth. And when I say in heaven, I do not mean just mean the stars and planets for the third heaven in which is the realm of God Himself. All power in heaven and earth. And by the way, it's pointing to Christ that is given to the Son by the Father. As He is the head of all things and He has the preeminence. Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. The theologians will tell you that this is referring back to Abraham. Well, Abraham's birth—he was an Ur of the Chaldees. So that's a bit of a stretch in that sense. But God called him from earth the Chaldees and brought him into Haran and brought him into the promised land of Canaan. Thy nativity and thy birth is in the land of Canaan. Some debate whether this is speaking of Abraham being born again when he was in Canaan because every child of God from Adam on, has to be born of the Spirit because of sin. We fail. We have to be given life. But God called Abraham and he's was in Ur of the Chaldees. And he obeyed God. That tells me God touched him when God called him when he was in Ur of the Chaldees. Therefore, he knew God through Christ. There's no other way. When he left Ur of the Chaldees. This... Relates to that possibly if you want to use it that way if you are from America and you take on American characteristics and live in the tradition of the American dream and the heritage of America people will say America is your place of birth, America is your nativity and some would say that as Abram, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. That's what this is referring to. I want you to understand what's given and what this is a type of. This is a type of the depravity of man by his very nature. We find... In the 14th psalm, where the Lord looked down from heaven. When did the Lord look down from heaven and see what's going to be stated here in the 14th psalm and in Romans chapter 3? He looked down from heaven in omniscience before he created the heaven, and the earth. He knew that man would fall. He knew that man would sin, built good, built upright. I tell them this part Monday at the funeral. Man was made good and upright in the image of God, but being a creature and not the Creator He was not able to hold that, to maintain that. The creature was made subject to vanity. Vanity caused Adam to fall. I was talking to them about the sufferings we have in the world because my brother suffered. But the point remains. The 14th Psalm. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Let's go to Genesis 6 and think about the condition of mankind. When God repented, He sorrowed that He made man on the earth and He destroyed them. But from before the foundation of the world, from the time the second verse says the Lord looked down from heaven in omniscience before the world was, upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God, and said they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy, and God is pure. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. We could not stand before God in our nature. Now we know because we've taught it and read it and been through it, that God gave His people life in Christ before He flooded the world. There was not a child of God lost. There never has been. There never will be in the realm of eternity. Now let's go to the third chapter of Romans. Verse 11. I'll go to verse 10. As it is written, where? The 14th Psalm. There is none righteous, no, not one. We are all sinners. A sinful man cannot come to God, cannot know God, does not want God by His very nature. That's why we find in Romans 5 that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who is us? Every elect child of God from the covenant not made in the omniscience of God by His knowledge, always known this, knowing that man would fall and God chose His people, Jew and Gentile alike. And gave them to His Son, His Son agreed to die for them. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. That Word does not leave any. None. Zero. They are all gone out of the way. They are together becoming profitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. A child born from the womb comes out kicking and screaming and rebellion. We're born sinners. Their throes an open sepulcher. Go to construction site and listen to the talk that men make. They are together. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ass is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is the nature of fallen man. That is where every person conceived in the womb stands in their own nature and remain unless God gives them life. Thus saith the Lord God into Jerusalem Thy birth, where you came from, the nature of man. And thy nativity, thy nature, your characteristics, your thoughts, your imaginations, only evil continuously, is of the land of Canaan. The land of the enemy, the land of the wicked, where God would drive them out. Thy birth and nativity is the land of Canaan, the land that God promised unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother a Hittite. These are two of the most sinful, wicked tribes of all the Canaanites. God uses these two wicked tribes of a people whom He would drive out of the land of Canaan that His people could possess it to teach His people what they were by nature. The Amorite and the Hittite. Without God, hating God, idolatry, murder, sin. Sin. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. The midwives, primarily going back to Egypt by the theologians, when the child was born, would cut the umbilical cord. We've done it with horses and cows and everything else when I was a child. That's where the child has its life connected to its mother. It eats, it breathes, it exists while it's in the womb by that umbilical cord. And when the child is born, that is cut because it is terribly dangerous and deadly if it is not once it comes into the world. Now in the day thou wast born, speaking to His people, listen to this, thy navel was not cut. You were still connected. You were still part of. You were still a being from your father and your mother and you were a sinner. You were sin, sin, sin below God, depraved, bankrupt morally with no way to cut it yourself. You're a newborn child. You can't move You like that. You can't cut things. You can't... Undo the cord and cut it by yourself. Neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. They would take warm water and wash the blood from the mother's womb off the child to cleanse the child. This child was outside the womb, connected to his mother, still in the sins of his mother, still in the sins of his father, with nothing to clean them. No water to supple them. Thou was not salted at all. They would take salt or salt water and put it upon the child's skin After they cut the cord and the child, they put it upon their skin to condition the skin. It takes this to prepare the skin to make it, the word escapes me, but it it, it toughens it. It supports it. It helps it. It makes it better. It supples it. Thou was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. The child would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. You see Mary with the Christ child swaddled in swaddling clothes. In that condition, still connected to sin, sin, No way to be cut off or disconnected from sin. No way to be clean or supple or salted. No way to be prepared. No way to be covered, not swaddled at all. It shows you a child of God by their very nature. Just like every other one who is conceived of a man and a woman. Now let's go a little farther with this text. None, I, pitied thee. Nobody. Jerusalem, Israel, child of God today. You're born in the world. You're born of the Spirit of God. You're hated of Satan. You're hated of the world. You're hated of the wickedness. You're hated of the wicked governments of men who think it strange that, as Peter said, you do not run to excess of riot with them and burning down cities and killing children and all the things they do. None I pity thee. They hated you. None I pity thee to do any of these things unto you, to cut the cord, to cleanse you, to salt you, to swaddle you. They had no way of doing it. You had no way of doing it. And they hated you. They didn't have any pity for you. None I pity thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. God hath enabled us to have compassion. We have compassion on our family. We have compassion on our brethren and sisters in the church. We are told to have compassion even on our enemies and while they stand in this world to help give them things that are needful such as food and drink and clothing. You lock men in a prison and have committed heinous crimes, you still protect them. You still feed them as long as they live. This is the compassion of society. This is the compassion of justice. None I pity thee to have compassion upon thee. Thou was cast out in the open field and I cannot help but think of Moses. He wasn't in the field. He's in the river in the ark bull bulrushes. Cast out while they were killing the Hebrew children, cast out. But thou was cast out in the open field. You can see a child in a field, laying there in his own blood, in his own sin, in his own filth, and nobody caring to help this child who could not. Help himself. Unable to help himself. There is the picture of a child of God before the Lord reveals Himself to them. To the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. The very day you were born. A child totally dependent And this picture shows they had no one to depend on. Here's the second text. And when I, this being the Lord God Almighty in Christ, and when I pass by thee, don't you love those Scriptures? The Lord passed by I was listening to songs this week thinking about my family and all that have died and listening to the old Sacred Heart songs and hymns that we used to sing. There's one, When the Lord Passed By. I thank God the Lord passes by from time to time. I thank God for that comfort, for that grace, for that love. Now let's look at this text and see a type of that. And when I passed by thee out there alone in the field hated, still connected to our very sinful nature and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, this is the perfect, righteous God of heaven separate, holy from all things created. When I passed by thee and saw thee polluted, corrupted, vile, polluted in thine own blood. This is not the blood of Christ. This is not the blood of communion. This is the sinful blood of man. When I saw you in your own blood, there in the field with none to help, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood. Clarifying that point, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were in our sin. While we were in our death and our blood. I said, Live. Live. Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. We see grace. We see a people described as a newborn daughter. Read the rest of the chapter. You'll see there's three sisters. This is Jerusalem. This is a daughter. The day she's born in an open field. The umbilical cord is not cut. She's covered in blood. Everybody hates her. Everything hates her. And God says live. God said live in Christ and Christ gave you life. Christ died for your sins. Christ made you clean. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. This refers back to the theologians to Egypt and to his people there when the Pharaoh came up that knew not Joseph. And put them in hard bondage and yet even in hard bondage, we take a lesson from this, even in their hard bondage and afflictions from the taskmasters, God made them to multiply. Let me tell you, God will not forsake His people. When this world ends, there will be children of God bearing witness to God. I caused thee to multiply 600,000 footmen came out of Egypt. That's not including mothers and children. That's not including the aged who were unable to be a soldier. That's 600,000 soldiers, footmen, troops. Well, today we're the militant church. So we're the troop of God, we're the army of the living God, not with missiles and weapons, with the sword of the spirit. He said, I've caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased in wax and great, and art come to excellent tournament or- ornaments, ornaments, these are the beauties of grace, the ornaments of God. Thy breasts are fashioned. What is he saying? You're not as a small girl. You're matured. Your breasts are fashioned. I'm not going any deeper than that. Thine hair is grown. You're a grown woman. You've been brought up. Where as thou wast in the field, naked and bare, in your own covering. We had no covering from our sin for our sin. We were bare, naked, exposed, speaking spiritually. Our sin was open to God certainly. To everyone else could see that we were of the same nature of fallen Adam and those that are left in that stated nature of wickedness. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee. Behold thy time, your time, individually, thy time, the children of God, thy time, Jerusalem, thy time, the church, that is a possession, thy time. This is the time that God ordained. This is the time that God appointed. This is the time the Son of Man would come into the world. This is the time the Son of Man would quicken whom He will. Each individual child quickened at the will of God in Christ whensoever God ordained that they would be. We've talked many times about in the womb or at the point of death itself that will all be changed. That time was a time of love. God loved us when we were unlovable. Can a mother forsake her sucking child? We know the answer to that is yes. Because they caused their children to pass through the fire and we still do that today. Yet God cannot, therefore He will not forsake us, for He cannot deny Himself. He cannot deny that the living Word was made flesh and died upon the cross. He can't deny that. He cannot forsake us. If we believe not, everybody talking about who believes and who does not believe. The Bible says if we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. You may not believe that a man ever knows or sees. You may not believe at all to the point your breath leaves your body. But God knows, and each and every child of God in their heart will believe, And even though we don't see it, the eyes of God do. And that is sufficient to the Lord. Thy time was the time of love. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. From everlasting back to everlasting forward. No beginning, no end. God has always known His people. They've always been engraven upon the palm of His hand. He will never leave them nor forsake them. He's always loved them. He cannot hate you. He chose to love you. He cannot lie. He gave you to the Son. And He loves you. And I spread my skirt over thee. That was traditionally done. You can see that with Ruth about the third chapter where her husband spread his skirt over her. You can see God spreading His skirt over us. Song of Solomon, I think chapter 2. I think chapter 2, and I'm going to find it and read it. Uh, In verse 4, He, God, brought me, the individual, in this case Solomon, to the banqueting house, the place of a feast, the church feasting on the Word of God. And his banner, what he covered him with, was love. Was love. I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. God covered us with the love of Christ. He laid down His life. He shed His blood for us as the Lamb of God. The only sacrifice which could please God, which could pay the sin debt of His people, the only sacrifice which could save us. He saved us. He covered us. First John. He's our chapter two. He's our propitiation. He's our covering. That's referring to the mercy seat we just talked about being the covering of the ark. Here we see a covering. Christ covered us in the love of God, in the love of Christ, and covered thy nakedness. Adam and Eve made fig leaves. You pulled a fig leaf off a tree as a child reading this. I had to. I had to know. I had to look at it. I had to think about it. Probably 12 years old is the oldest. You pull one off the tree. You try to cover yourself. It's not going to cover anything. It's not too long before the fig leaf begins to wither and die and turn brown and crack and then it's gone. That fig leaf represents to me the doctrines of men that gives you any choice, any work, any part of attaining eternal life. It's all in grace and the blood and the choice of Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. His covering covers our sin. Yea, I swear unto thee and it entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord. This refers back to Deuteronomy 29. God made covenant with the Israelites. How does God make covenant with us? We read the Old Testament. God made covenant with several different people. Abraham being one. God made covenant. And guess who kept it? God. Nobody else kept it. Just the Lord. I made covenant with thee. What does that teach us? First of all, that God made covenant by writing His law in our hearts. And that covenant cannot be broken because it is the Lord who keeps it. I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, that the Lord God and thou becamest mine. Now let me tell you this. God has always known you. From everlasting. Never started knowing you. Never started loving you. Always. I can't understand that, but I believe it by faith because Scripture teaches it. God has always known you. God has always loved you. You have always been in the covenant between Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You have always belonged to the Lord in covenant terms. But now you understand this. Referring to spiritual life. God gives you eternal life. You are not in possession yourself of eternal life until God gives it to you when He quickens you in Christ but it can never be taken away. It was promised. It was as good as done. Yea, in fact, was done. Yea and amen. You had no part of it, no knowledge of it, no desire for it until God quickened you. You were out there in the field hated of all creation. Still attached to your sin. Still in the nature of Adam. Still in the nature of fallen man. Covered in blood. Covered in sin. Naked and exposed to the world. Yet God loved you. And God entered into a covenant with you. And you became His. He gives you life. You become His. Then washed I thee with water. God cleanses us. Now let's make one fact from the get-go. You are saved. You're washed. You're cleansed. Your sins are covered. Your sins are done away with. All in one thing. And that is the blood of the Lamb of God who was nailed to the cross of Calvary and bore our sin and our sorrow, bore the wrath of God for the punishment of sin upon His people, bore it for us. That and nothing else is how we're cleansed. That's how we're saved. That's how we're cleansed. That's how our sins are no more. Even though we still live in a body of sin. Even though we still sin. We read Romans 7. We sang that song, What I would do. What I would I do not. What I hate that I do. And then he goes on and says, I thank God because Christ saved me eternally from all sin. Period. Then I wash thee with water. Some refer this to the Spirit of God. And if I was going to have my say in the matter, I would do the same thing because we're washed by the Spirit. What does that mean? How can we be washed by the Spirit and washed by the blood? The blood cleanses us. But the Spirit of God leads us in righteousness and therefore our walk and our conversation is cleansed by the Spirit of God. It leads us, the Holy Ghost, brings us into remembrance of Christ and causes us to desire and to walk in a way pleasing to our Master. And because He has revealed Christ upon the cross to us, we mourn as one that mourneth for an only Son for His love and His sacrifice. We adore Him. We love Him. And we seek by God's grace to serve Him. There washed I thee with water, yea, I throughly washed away thy blood from thee and I anointed Thee with oil. He's washed the blood off this child and anointed them with oil. Christ has washed the blood away from us with His blood. We're anointed with oil, the Holy Spirit of God. I clothe Thee also with broidered work. We talked a few weeks ago about uh, Exodus 26, the veil that went between the holy place and the most holy place, fine, linen, cunning needlework, all put together in such a wise, tedious way which shows us the work of Christ upon the cross, the will of God that He would come into this world and suffer and bleed and die as the perfect Word of God without sin made flesh and died for us. I clothed thee with broidered work and shod thee with badger skin. They say there were no badgers. They say that means the purple footwear that was popular in the day. The Bible tells me badger skins and I'm going to stick with that in my mind. That's what the covering... Here's the important part. That's what the covering over the temple and the tent of the temple was part of badger skins. You see, it is a protection. It protects the altar and the temple and everything God gave them to worship. Okay, if He's covered our feet in them, then we go to Ephesians 6 where Paul says we walk in the shoes, our Preparation of the preaching of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Our shoes, how we walk. God gives us the ministry. God sends forth the ministry to feed the children of God, to edify the church till we all come in the unity of the faith. I girded thee about with fine linen. There's the linen of the priesthood and I covered thee with silk. The word silk supposedly was not known to them or even at the time of Augustus in Rome they didn't know about silk. I look at it this way. People, this is a book of prophecy. People want to say God is good at predicting the future. Now, I declared the end from the beginning. Now, silk, some refer it to being painted clothes. And I will have that. Because God painted our clothing white. The fine linen, Revelation 19, is the righteousness of the saints. That's the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Did you notice who does the covering? The Lord Christ. I clothe thee also with broidered work in His death, burial, resurrection, shod thee with badger skin you walk in the way of God. And I girded thee about with fine linen, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ, imputed to the saints, I covered thee with silk, the finest material for clothing. You're glorified of God in the church, not like you will be a glory. You still live in a sinful body. But when we walk in this world separate from the world, separate from the wicked, and we strive to humbly live with Christ and walk in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, faith, peace, long suffering all those things, the glory of God is magnified through us. And God is glorified in it. God help us. Help me. I deck thee also with ornaments, the graces of the Spirit. I put bracelets upon thy hands. What does your hand do? You work with your hands. Your hands, your work shows forth the glory of God. And a chain on thy neck. People wear chains today. All the guys in Birmingham used to wear those chains. God put a chain on thy neck. You want to talk about a golden chain? That was a golden chain. But it was pure gold. Because that chain signifies bondage to the Lord Jesus Christ. He bought you. You belong to Him. You serve Him. And you cannot break that chain. Lesion was bound with chains in the cemetery with dead people. Christ freed him. Now he is bound with the glory of God, with the Spirit of God, with the Spirit of Christ. That's a child of God born of the Spirit. And I put a jewel on their forehead. They would wear the, the jewel. It sounds hideous to me, but it's very popular at one time way back there come around their head and hang down on their nose. It was a jewel. It was a jewel. I'll put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head. The beauty of the jewel that God put upon you. The service of God. Somebody said this is the law. No, this is grace. Projecting. Earrings and thine ears, can you hear the gospel? Can you hear it with a heart knowledge? And can you hear it with an ear knowledge? Has God given you understanding? Has God given you revelation of Jesus Christ and his finished work? Beautiful crown upon thine head. Revelation 12. The a great woman, wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, the moon, and stars under her feet. That the church lifted up. Clothed with the righteousness of God, the glory of God in Christ. She's lifted up above the earth. And upon her head was the crown with 12 stars. Those 12 stars represent the 12 apostles of Christ. The foundation of the gospel, Christ being the cornerstone, the foundation of the New Testament church. Thus was thou decked with gold and silver. Look back at the temple. Thy raiment was of fine linen and silk, embroidered work, thou did eat fine flour and honey, the sweetness of the gospel, nutritious, giving us strength and oil, the spirit. Thou wast exceeding beautiful. Exceeding beautiful. That's the church in God's eyes. And thou didst prosper into a kingdom. They refer back to the kingdom of David. Looking ahead in types and shadows, that is the kingdom of God that Christ has here in the world which will be carried to heaven in immortal glory. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. They could see God was with you. They could see God was with them in the Old Testament. We know thy God is with thee. Thy God is greater than our gods. little g and an s plural. Their gods were made by the hands of men and overlaid with gold. Our God created the heavens and the earth and chose and loved His people and He saved us and redeemed us and given us a home and eternity where we'll see Him as He is. Thy renown went forth. It's known among the heathen. For it was perfect through My commonness. Everything God had Moses Gave Moses instruction to do and build and form the way that it was showed unto him the mount, Exodus 25, was to give the glory of God. It was decked with the comeliness that God instructed him to do, the comeliness of God, declaring in types and shadows. The Christ. And today, that comeliness is shown in the church of God, the church of Christ, by the Spirit of God, which dwells in us. I get so tired of people saying, I live right and pray every morning. I don't have to go to church. I live right and pray. Give that glory to God and get off your high horse. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Galatians 5.22 If there's any goodness in you, it's because you are born of the Spirit of God. Give that to God and worship God and worship Him. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. The church stands out from the world for it was perfect through my commonness. the glory of God which I had put upon thee saith the Lord God. That's the end of the second text. I've already told you beginning what this was. I guess what word would I use? This theologians penned it showing what God did do. What God did do. What He said. Go tell these people. They're in bondage because they've seen it turned against Me. And furthermore, they're not going to return to Me. Only a remnant will. And they were judged and they suffered 70 years of desolation. But if we look into the Law and Prophets, we find little nuggets, somebody called them today, to show us that in spite of our sin and our sorrow and what we are by nature, that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world and suffered and bled and died for us. And while we're talking about gold nuggets, let me tell you this. Gold is a precious metal. It's very rare, so be thankful for it.